You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and we're switching things up just a little bit this week, Curtis for some reason, got talked into going to Talladega with his girlfriend today, so he was not able to make it today for the podcast, but it's all good because we have our very own Stetson Bennett, our MVP, always ready to step in when needed, the superstar of the podcast, my co-host for today, Charlie. Well, we all know you're the real superstar, so... Oh, thanks for saying that. No, you, no, Charlie... I cannot. I don't. I show you some of the positive feedback that you get, but I don't want you to get too big, too big of a head. But you'd be surprised, I think, at how many people send me DMs, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, emails, talking about how much they enjoy you on the show. So you really are the superstar of the show. So I want to give you credit for that. Uh, I don't think though that you've ever been on a recap episode, right? Uh, not this season for sure. I don't. Have you ever been on like a, an actual recap episode, like after a game? I don't. You think I'm going to remember that? I can't remember yeah. to pick an upset special. Yeah, you have a tough time a with that. You have a tough time with that. Right. So I'm not going to remember if I maybe. On I mean, you've been. This is your your third year on the podcast. Again, I don't. Yeah, know. maybe you snuck in one time, but as far as I remember, maybe our listeners can help me with this. I don't remember you being on a recap episode, so I know this is kind of a new experience for you. But Charlie, I don't want to put too much pressure on you. I really don't. But you know these are our most popular episodes, right? More people listen to these episodes than any other episode that we produce. So you're trying to make me feel the pressure? I'm just asking, like, are you ready for this? I am. Are you ready for this? You don't look too great. Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Uh, I, I'm trying to, to put on a brave face. I got my, my, not my second shot, my booster shot. Booster shot for the vaccine today. So it's weird. I'm not feeling super great. The first two shots, I felt nothing. I mean, a sore arm, but today I, I can, my entire body is just like in knots and I'm very nauseous. So if I like randomly turn around and just vomit, don't think anything of it. I'll be back. No big deal. But no one needed to know that. Yeah. I'm not feeling super great, but Hey, you know what? Well, thank we got you. a podcast to record. Well, thank you for doing this for the listeners. And thank you, Charlie, for being here on such short notice, You're filling welcome. in for curse at Talladega. Does he even like great NASCAR? I didn't know. Does he never thought about him and Talladega in the same sentence? 
I mean, NASCAR is great for people. I mean, for people who like it. I, I've never really been big into NASCAR. I didn't think Curtis was. I think it's something he got talked into. It's good to experience new. No, things. absolutely. I mean, I, if someone had a ticket for me to go, I would probably go once. I think, just to kind of experience it, maybe, possibly. But yeah, he just randomly like, I'm going to Talladega, and I was like, like the racetrack Talladega. And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool, man. Uh, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have Curtis on. Tomorrow, I guess it'll be posted on Tuesday for the mailbag episode. So Charlie and Curtis kind of just flipping roles today. So Charlie, I thank you for your flexibility. Uh, are you in mourning today? Morning. Are you in mourning? Oh. Your boy, Sam, took the L. I didn't want them to took lose. Took the L. I didn't want it to really be a total look. It was a really bad look for you. I didn't want it to be a total embarrassment for them. But I don't understand how you can say, I'm a Georgia fan, but I don't want us to embarrass the opposing team. I always want us to embarrass the opposing well, I mean, team. It's I good don't... for us if we embarrass okay, them. 37 to 0 is not as... That, that's fine. But, like, what we did to Vanderbilt, like, that was just, like, mean. You didn't feel bad for Vanderbilt? No. I kind of did it for what they points, did. though. Like, canceling on us twice. Okay, fair. At short notice. Fair. Fair. It wasn't all the players, though. Right. Different coaching staff. So it's, okay. I yeah, I mean... Yeah, your boy Sam, uh, that yeah. was an L. That yeah. was an L. That was yeah. tough. It's a tough look. Yeah, it's okay. I know. I mean, that is we okay. Won. I'm glad that we, we won. won. Hey, if I, pick it, if I pick the opposing team to cover every week and we win like that, I'm okay with that. That was totally when, a hard pick for you. everyone You had us to cover. And you're like, no, I like Sam Pittman, so I'm going to go Arkansas. Wouldn't everyone want me to just keep picking like that if they're superstitious? Yeah. Yeah. So. Pick away. There it's working. Go. Whatever you're doing is working. So I mean, I just I, I want really to check bad on you. Weekend, but oh, the picks. Yeah, we'll get to yeah, that. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, not well, today. Later we'll on the do week. That later in the week. Yeah, I actually had a pretty good week. You <laughs> atrocious. Not your best. Not your atrocious. best. Atrocious. It's a fair word. It was tough. It's a, we all have weeks. I had I had like a two and six week early in the year, so it's all good. Uh, but all right, so I just want to check on you. Make sure you weren't like too much in mourning. I know that you and Sam I are tired. I wanted us to win. I know, I know. Yeah, I know you wanted us to win, but you just took it very far with the Sam Pittman love. He, like, it's almost like you have a personal relationship with me. Have you met the guy? It's no, weird. No, I just... He... He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. You have a soft spot for nice guys. Yes, he's a good... He's I, lo- I love Sam Pittman. Not a scumbag. No, like I love Sam Pittman. I will always are. love Sam Pittman. Yeah, he's hey, a great guy. coach that's oh, really um, in trouble this week. Might you be talking about Irvin Meyer? Yep. Who? Ding, ding, ding. I think you hate him more than any other coach or any figure that was I once associated with college sports. do not re- have any respect for him whatsoever from what I have seen. I mean, he's like you, like, he's your Dan Mullen. Like, for years. Like, Dan Mullen's my guy like that. It's Urban Meyer I mean, just you. multiple screw-ups. Oh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's a weird dude. Uh, one last question before we move on a little bit here. Were you elite on Saturday, Charlie? Were you elite? I'm elite every day. Sure, yes, you are every single day. You are every single day. But were you like extra elite as a fan? I mean, I was ready to go. Were you there? Yes. Early enough? Were you yeah. loud? Were you proud? Yeah. That doesn't seem super confident. I, I don't scream. How many barks? How many barks did you let out? Um, I don't really bark. Oh, come on. You're yeah. too good. You can't be too good for a bark. Uh, mm, uh, no. Okay, before this episode's over, you're barking. I'm going to get you to I, bark. I'm not going to bark. I'm going to get you to bark somewhere, somehow. Bark. I'm going to trick you into this. I'm not going to bark. You never barked? 
I have. I just don't like it. It hurts my throat. It hurts you? Then you're not, you're not doing it right. Well, I need to save my voice for the show okay. on Sundays. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But all right, Charlie, before we get started recapping yet another beatdown, guess where I went last week? Hmm. Hmm. If you know me, you know. Alumni Hall? I made another stop at Alumni Hall. Usually it's a weekly stop. Do they greet you by name when you go in there? They don't, but they definitely know who I am. (laughs) Like, they're like, oh, it's this guy again. And like... I could, we have like it's like I have a relationship with the people that work there without them like knowing who I am. like not who who I am but like knowing my name or anything about me. I guess they know my name when I have to check out and stuff. But like, yeah, they they know they know when I'm coming in. And I I always spend a good I mean it's like at least a thirty minute stop for me. I go in there it's like yeah I'm gonna be five minutes real quick because I knew the the new the official Nike coaches polos are out and they're late this year but they're out. And Alumni Hall had some in stock, so I went to go check them out, see if I liked them, see if, you know, because every year the coaches pose the materials a little bit different, you know, so I went to go check it out, try it on, and I thought it was going to be a quick, like, five-minute stop, but no, I was in there for close to 40-ish minutes, because I just, I get sucked in. There's so many great things. I walked out of there, Charlie, with two awesome new quarter zips. It's quarter zip season. You wouldn't know by walking outside, but... It is quarter zip season. It's that time of the year. We're going to call it fall, even though we don't really actually have an actual fall anymore. But I got two really nice quarter zips. Trying Johnny O. It's an, I don't know if it's a new brand. It's new to me in terms of like making collegiate gear, making Georgia stuff. And guys, I got to tell you, the Johnny O stuff, high, high marks right now. Very comfortable. I love the fit. I love the material. Very soft. Awesome. Got me a red one. Got a black one. Both of the standing Bulldog logo. You got to love that logo. It's a classic one. So I got that. And of course, I can't walk out of there without buying a new Nike Golf hat. I have a problem when it comes to that. So I got me another one of those. So I'm loaded up for quarter zip season, Charlie. And I was just checking their website, and they're getting even more of the winter gear coming in every single day. So I'm probably going to have to make another stop this week. And you guys should do the exact same thing. Again, all the winter gear, it is coming in. It's hitting the shelves hot. You can stop in in store. It's in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens. You can also shop online if you're not local. You can shop at alumnihall.com. It's a great shopping experience online. They offer a 10% discount for all UGA students, for all military veterans. They also have the Hall Pass Rewards Program where you get free money to spend at the store for every $150 that you spend. So I, um, Charlie, I'm not going to lie. I dropped a couple hundred dollars. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? Uh, a couple hundred dollars. So I racked up like $30, $40 in Hall Pass Rewards. So I'll probably be spending that next week. So if you're looking to stock up on your winter Georgia year, Alumni Hall is the go-to place. Again, it's inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens or alumnihall.com. All right, so this is a little different for us today. Charlie, I usually drive these recap episodes, and I kind of set things up for Curtis to offer his analysis, but without Curtis here, I'm going to hand the keys over to Charlie, and I'm going to do my best to fill Curtis's role, and Charlie also had a few ideas about how to format the show today, so we have a few new wrinkles to throw in throughout the episode. It's Charlie's show. I'm going to hand it over to you, Charlie. You do things how you want to do it, so what's first on the agenda? All right, so I'm new to the recap episodes, but I'm also the quality control expert person for the podcast. You are. I always appreciate that. So I listen to all of them, and I know that you guys like to start with a big picture look at the game, so let's start there. It seems like the dogs just keep making statements this season, with the latest one being the 37-0 beatdown of Arkansas. That was a beatdown. Yeah. Sorry, Charlie. R.I.P. Sam Pittman. 30... That's not as bad as if it was like 62 to 0. Well, yeah, 62 is more than 37. Right, Correct. that's what I'm saying. I, I'm a, but it's still a beatdown. 
Okay. Okay. So in your mind, what should be the biggest storyline coming out of the 37-0 win? Well, what should be the biggest storyline or what is the biggest storyline? Um, quarterbacks is what everybody wants to talk about, right? Perpetually. It's always the quarterbacks. And I understand it's the most important position on the field. I, I'm just so tired of talking about quarterbacks. And, and we'll continue to talk about the quarterbacks because I know you guys are interested in this show as a show for you guys. It's a show of the people, so we'll definitely talk about quarterbacks. But I, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm just exhausted with the whole quarterback situation for years and years now. Um, so I'm not going to start there. That's not the biggest storyline to me. In my mind, the biggest storyline coming out of this win over Arkansas is the fact that we found our run game. We found our run game. And on top of that, this team... It's, it's just incredible to watch. This team is so talented and has so many different pieces that we have the flexibility to kind of be whatever we need to be on any given Saturday in order to win the football game. So let's look back at UAB a couple weeks ago, right? Well, UAB, the way they play defense is they sell out to stop the run, right? And when they did that, what did we do? Well, Stetson Bennett responds with a career day, five touchdown passes, hit explosive plays all over the field. Well, Arkansas, coming into this week, they play like the total opposite philosophy as UAB does. They come in with this kind of conservative shell, 3-2-6 defense, and what do we do? Well, we ran the ball down their throat because that's what they were giving us. Since Clemson, obviously, we had a lot of young guys in there. His first game, you're kind of filling things out. We weren't 100% healthy. So we had to play a field position and kind of defensive struggle game. And you know what? We were able to do that. We were able to win the football game. So we've played already through five games, like three different styles and one in three different ways. Now, one commonality between all these wins is just incredible defense, but we've done different things offensively and been who we've had to be each and every week in order to win these football games. And not just win these football games to outside of the Clemson game to win these football games going away. So that's a big takeaway for me, kind of in general, but specifically with this game, Charlie, to answer your question more directly, we found our run game. We found our run game, and you guys know, I've made no secret about it. I've had questions about our run game. I've been on this going back to week one against Clemson. I felt that we should have run the ball more against Clemson with the way they played us. They did not play us with a 3-2-6 scheme like Arkansas did, but they played played us with a very similar philosophy where they were trying to get that two deep shell and trying to not allow us to the big plays. And I don't think that we ran the ball enough to try to pull them out of that shell in week one. And then you kind of went to UAB. We didn't run the ball very well. And then against South Carolina, we were fine. Against Vanderbilt, we were better running the ball. It's like, we haven't been bad. So what I said last week, we haven't been bad running the ball. So I know people felt like I was just nitpicking. Maybe I am. But again, I've been saying this all year, guys. Our goal was a national championship. And for us to win a national championship, we... I can't, I'm not going to seriously say that we can't have any weaknesses because every team has vulnerabilities and areas that you aren't as dominant as you are in other areas. But we have to be able to run the football when we need to run the football if we want to win a national championship, okay? And to do that, I felt like we need to be more consistent and honestly also more explosive in the run game. So I've been waiting to see that. I've been waiting to see the physicality, to see that kind of dominant running game. And I don't know if it was a dominant running game against Arkansas, but it was certainly the most dominant performance on the ground that we've had to date through the first, well, almost half of the season now, which is just depressing to even say. But we certainly made strides. I think we answered the question day. Because again, I've had questions about can we run it against the better teams when we need to be able to run the football? And I think that we really answered that question today. It was mostly methodical, but we did sprinkle in some explosive runs. So we had, from my count, 
Seven runs of 10 or more yards. Stetson Bennett in the first quarter had one that was like nine and a half yards. So you can throw that in there if you want. Call it eight of 10 plus. So we were hitting some explosive runs. But I mean, 24 yards is the longest run on the day. It was James Cook. And we still have some long runs. I'm going to be nitpicky here again. We still had some long runs. Like that James Cook 24-yard run. That were nice, long, explosive runs, but they could have been even more explosive runs. That James Cook 24-yard run could have been a James Cook 70-yard touchdown run if we block better on the perimeter. We're still struggling to consistently hold up on the perimeter. Our receivers and our tight ends at times as well have just got to get more consistent on the edges with our blocking. We're doing fine. We're running the ball well, but I want those 24, 25-yard runs to turn into 50, 60-yard touchdown runs, okay? Like we used to see back in 2017 with Chubb and Michelle those kind of things with DeAndre Swift. That's what we need to get back to. And that's not going to happen until we start blocking better in the perimeter. I know we have a bunch of young receivers and those guys are still growing and learning and they're getting better. Jermaine Burton's a guy that I do want to spotlight and give him some credit. He has really improved his ability to block in the perimeter. He might, I don't want to say he's our best perimeter blocker right now, but he's certainly growing there. And he was like against Clemson, like it was an absolute nightmare showing for him. Now he was obviously very rusty because he'd been dealing with a ankle sprain through most of fall camp. But he's really kind of accepting that challenge and doing a much better job. But Justin Robinson, A.D. Mitchell, McConkie, they've just got to do a better job of holding those blocks just a beat longer so we can take those 25 runs and turn them into 50, 60 yard runs. But that's just being nitpicky. All in all, I was very, very excited to see us, number one, commit to the run, and then number two, obviously be able to have enough success to stick with that. So I think having that kind of success, finding our ground game in a game like this against a good Arkansas defense, I think that's going to pay dividends. Because think about like, why did LSU lose to Auburn, guys? If you watch that football game, LSU lost to Auburn because LSU simply cannot run the football. They're one-dimensional. And when you get up against better defense and you're one-dimensional, that's a problem. So I'm very excited to see us run the ball like that. I feel like we need to commit to the run. We did it. They knew we were going to try to run the ball. We knew we were going to try to run the ball, and they couldn't stop us. So tip of the cap to the offensive line, the backs, everyone involved, coaching staff, great effort on the ground. All right, so keeping with the theme of the run game, we ran it 56 times to only 11 passes, so that's 84% for the run. What did you make of that game plan? I mean, that's what you told us we should do all week last week, right? Well, thank you for mentioning that, Charlie. I'm glad it's our quality control expert. Would you have liked to have seen us throw it a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were plays to be had out there. I'll just say that. I was sitting in the stands watching the game, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, we got one-on-one coverage out here. They're playing 10 yards off of them. We can just simply turn around and throw a little quick hit. You got five easy yards. I would have liked to have maybe have seen more of that, but it's hard to it's hard to nitpick, Charlie, when we were so dominant. Like when you're running the ball as well as we were, why change up a good thing when you're having so much success? Now, if Arkansas was scoring themselves and we had to continue to score to outpace them, then I would, might have been more upset with the idea that we weren't throwing the ball more. But when the fact was they simply could not score, they could not move the ball against our defense, and we had seven three and outs out of 10 drives, I think, when they had no chance of scoring essentially and just couldn't move the ball at all, why risk putting the ball in the air? There's more bad things that can happen when you put the ball in the air. That, that's just a fact of football. That's just, it's just a fact of football. So why even risk it? We saw one pass to Stetson. I mean, it should have been an interception, right? He's yes. throwing the corner route to Brock Bowers. It was the wrong read. He should have dropped it off to Kenny McIntosh. He probably would have had a first down there anyway. And it was a poor throw. He threw it behind Bowers. It was just, just a bad play all around. 
why even risk things like that? Just don't even risk it. If you don't need to, why? Uh, and I know um, someone that I know, yeah, I saw him, I was going to the bathroom in between one of the crazy long TV, they weren't crazy long, it's a lot of TV time. Did you feel there were more TV time, Alice Charlie? Yes. It, I guess it, it was, was the Fowler, it was the Fowler-Herb Street game, so they, yeah, yeah obviously they were, they were trying to add up the ad revenue there. But they were one of the many TV time outbreaks. I went to the restroom and saw someone I know and they were like, all right, dude, see you, man, I'm out of here. I was like, what? It's like the third quarter, it's like, which if all we're gonna do is run the football. He's, if he's not gonna do anything but run the football, I'm not gonna sit here and watch this. I'm like, but we're winning. Like at that time, it was like maybe 34 nothing. Is like, but you're upset. I mean, we're winning 34 nothing. So I understand that people want to see you know high flying offense, and that's great. I love that too. It's nice. It's exciting. But you know what I love more than that, Charlie? Winning. Winning. Exactly. I love to win, and that's what we had to do to win this football game. It was a gorgeous game plan. Now, I know some of you are saying. Gorgeous. How can you use that adjective to describe what we saw offensively? Because we were just mauling them, just pounding the football. But to me, that's gorgeous. That can be beautiful too. Is this, in my opinion, as you said, Charlie, I was telling you guys last week, this had to be our game plan. In the preview episode, I talked about how I felt that we simply had to run the football and be committed to the ground game. Because the reason being, Arkansas, the way they structure their defense, they simply do not give you vertical throws. They drop eight into coverage the vast majority of the time. Typically, they're only rushing three. Sometimes they'll rush four. Very rarely they rush five. I don't even know if they rush five once in that game, to be honest. Well, we didn't drop back to throw the ball very often, so they couldn't really rush much at all. But, I mean, if you go back and look at the Texas State game, if you guys watch that game closely, Aiden had the wrong idea. I was watching that game last week after the Vanderbilt game in the bar, and I was like, what is AM doing? I don't understand. You have a backup quarterback in Zach Calzad who's not any good anyway. You have a pro style offense that's really built to run the football, and you have two really good running backs, but you're going to throw the ball 36 times and only run it 23 times. I know they got down early in that game, and that kind of certainly had an influence to some degree. But AM, when they ran the ball, they ran the ball for five yards to carry, over five yards to carry. That's what you have to do. You're playing in their hands if you throw the ball 30 plus times. That's not what you want to do. You got to commit to the run and force them out of that three safety look, which we did by the second quarter. I would have liked to have taken a few more shots, but we didn't need to. Again, we just didn't need to. If we had needed to, because they were scoring, we had to continue to outpace them, then yeah, you take more shots. And I think we would have. But again, why do that? Why even bother to risk it? And it's the old adage, Charlie. I, I don't know if you've heard this, but my coaches growing up, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this in my life. You do it until they stop it, right? You've got to make them stop it. Why go away from doing what's working, right? And that was clearly working. We were running away with this football game. There was no need to do anything else. So I have no issue with the game plan. I know like you guys might not call it pretty, but to me, that was gorgeous. And it was like, there were some nuances to what we were doing. It wasn't just kind of, certainly we dominated them physically. We outmanned them up front. Absolutely, 100%. But we also did some, interesting things schematically. I don't know if you guys noticed, we were like, before the snap, wasn't every single snap, but I would say majority of the snaps, we run the football, we would move the running back from one side to the other. Did you notice that, Charlie? Where yes. the running back, I guess you can call it motion, we're basically just shifting from one side of the quarterback to the other side of the quarterback. Yes. The reason we do that, and the reason we were doing that as Arkansas, is because they set their front based off where their running back is, okay? They, they call it the back front. And they base that off of where the running back is aligned. And so if we're moving very quickly right before the snap, it doesn't give the, the defense time, the defensive line time to adjust their front and actually set to the back. So what we were doing in, in shifting the running back like that right before the snap, I think we got called for one false start. I think they called Zeus for one false start on it. But by doing that, we were basically 
running the ball into bubbles in their defense, into gaps, massive gaps in their defense because they were they, they were set, they set their front to defend the run in one direction, but the right for the snap were completely flipping direction on them and they just didn't have time to recover. And when you already have like five guys in the box to start with, there's already gonna kind of be some natural gaps there. We were able to, to kind of exploit even larger gaps, even larger bubbles in that front. And uh, we were able to have a lot of success with that. So yeah, a big part of it was certainly just out physicaling them. But another part of it was the game plan and how Munkin was able to just do small little nuances like that to create opportunities for our running backs to find space. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, I know that you don't want to talk about the quarterback situation. I really but don't. We have to talk about the quarterback situation. You're right. We have to. So, obviously, we still found a way to win another game without JT Daniels playing for us. But how concerned are you about the position as we continue through the toughest stretch of the season in October? This is a tough stretch. Now, maybe that's all relative. Auburn is Auburn is fine. They're good. They're solid. They're a good, solid team. That's going to be a tough game because it's at Jordan Air, and that's that's just a tough place to play. We, we've seen that plenty of times. This is a tough stretch. You're right, Charlie. I um, How concerned am I? I'm not not concerned. Does that make sense? Okay. Like, I'm not freaking out about it, but there's certainly a level of concern because the fact is we are better with JT Daniels. Is that fair to say? I agree. I love Stetson Bennett. I value Stetson Bennett. I appreciate Stetson Bennett. I think he is the ultimate DGD, that kind of guy. He's just ready to answer the call and took a lot of heat last year for no reason, honestly. It wasn't his fault that you know he's short and gets balls batted down and we couldn't beat Alabama. He did his best. Um, he was kind of thrown in that situation. He answered the call when, when he had to and, and won a lot of games for us. And he easily could have transferred out and he could have pouted. But no, he just he just gets himself ready, man. Uh, just a just a really, really valuable player. And I'm really, really glad that he's on our team. But Charlie, if he was as good as JT Daniels, then He'd why was starting. exactly why was JT our starter? And why did Kirby spend all of fall camp and really large parts of the offseason whenever he was doing interviews talking about how excited he was about JT and how much he trusted JT? And JT was clearly our starter. So Absolutely, JT is a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. Absolutely, JT makes us a better football team. But saying that, I also have a lot of confidence in Stetson Bennett. Now, one thing that Stetson 
we've got to work this out. And I don't know if we can. Maybe it's in his DNA. He's got a little bit too much of a gunslinger mentality. And so, yes, he does. Like he's just quite terrifying he, at times. He does, but he does a really good job protecting the ball most of the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, he's smart. He knows where to go. He's poised most of the time. But then he's got that one throw, that one random throw. He throws the ball into tight windows and traffic. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're better than that. You're smarter than that. You know better than that. And we kind of saw that a little bit. I guess it was only one throw. I mean, only threw the ball eleven times on Saturday, but that one throw to Bowers he got reamed for. Well, for he should have run. A few seconds there after. I mean, yeah, I don't know if they showed it on TV. I don't know if the TV copy caught it. I was kind of fast-forwarding through that part when I was doing the rewatch, my first rewatch. But in the stadium, I guess it was in the, was the second, third quarter. I can't remember exactly when it was in the game. But he had, it was, it was a third down. He had an opportunity to run for the first down, clearly, and try to stretch it out and end up throwing the ball away, and there was nothing there. And Kirby, I was losing my mind in the stands. I'm like, it's a freaking first down. Just run the football. And Kirby went bananas. Did you catch him? Lit into him. Like he was yelling because Stetson was across the field. And Kirby's screaming. Sure oh, him. yeah, because Stetson turned his head real quick. And he's like, oh, God. And Kirby's like, get over here. And like, then he comes over there and they go to the TV timeout. And he's still getting after him. I mean, it, so there's things like that. You know, he's not perfect, but Stetson has a lot of good things for us. But, you know, going back to what I was saying there is Stetson is kind of what I texted one of my buddies is. He's got this gunslinger mentality without the physical tools of a gunslinger. Right. He's got the Brett Favre mentality without having Brett Favre's physical tools. Yes. And and it doesn't happen all the time. He doesn't do this all the time, but it's, he's good for one or two a game. And it's like you just kind of like clinch up. Oh, my God, he's going to get picked. It's like, okay, it's safely dropped to the ground. And sometimes it doesn't safely drop to the ground. But, it's, but you know, I, I, again, being a little nitpicky here, Stetson's done some really good things for us. Uh, he is athletic. I do like his athleticism. That gives us a little bit of a different dimension offensively. And his escapability is something that JT does not have. So I do like that added dimension. But again, the fact is JT is just a more polished passer. And honestly, in his limited playing time, he's only thrown the ball like 76 times maybe this year, something like that. But he's more decisive with the football. He's got more physical tools outside. Maybe not. I mean, as that, not maybe. He's definitely not as athletic as Stetson. But yeah, I mean, we're better with JT. There's no doubt there. But the reality is, we don't know when we're going to get JT back. And right now, we've got to roll with Stetson. I'm pretty sure Stetson, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I would have to put my money on it. Stetson's going to be starting against, uh, against Auburn. And this All is right, a, so that's my next question. Yeah. So what's your speculation on when JT might be good to go? Charlie, have you ever had a lat injury? No, but I can imagine that it would hurt really bad because if I do a good lat workout, I like want to stay still. Yeah, permanently. It is, and Kirby was right. It's one of the largest muscles in your body, and like you don't think about like your lats until they start hurting. I haven't had a major lat injury, but I've had a, I've had a little bit of a strain before in the past. I'm telling you, it's not fun. Even a slight strain is not fun because like think about how much you move that muscle, Charlie. Like just doing like everyday little daily routine things. And it's just tough. And it's very, very painful. And the only way it gets better is just to rest it. So I don't know. I I honestly don't know. They say it's a grade one, which is the lowest grade uh, strain you can have for the lat. So it doesn't seem to be too serious. But those of you who follow the NFL, you know, Dak Prescott dealt with the lat strain. Kirby says it's not as serious as Dak's was. But it's just not something you want to mess with because it can linger. And again, the only way to get better is to rest. So I I am certainly not optimistic that he's going to play next week. I'm not optimistic he'll play against Kentucky. I I think maybe Florida is probably what I would shoot for right now. That would be my target day because you have the bye week mm-hmm. where you don't have to do anything. He doesn't have to do like anything at all. So I don't know. It, it would be gravy. It would be awesome if we get him back before Florida. But honestly, I'm not expecting to get him back right now. And that's just me. I operate from like 
I don't want to say worst case scenario, but usually I prepare for the worst, hope for the best. I think, like Kirby said, we will get him back. It's just a matter of how long it takes to heal because you just got to rest it. But right now, I'm not really expecting him back until Florida. Okay. We'll see. If, I mean, it's certainly possible we can come back before then, and that's just pure speculation. But right now, I'm going to say probably Florida, and so we're going to have to roll with Stetson right now. we got some big games come up at Auburn. We're better than Auburn. That's a tough place to play. And Stetson has played some football for us, Charlie. Does he play in an environment like that? No, but we're, we're lucky that it's a 3.30 game and not a night game. We're lucky it's 3.30 game in October, not November, because if right. it's in November, 3.30, it's like night by halftime. Right. It's a right. different animal. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's fortunate. He hasn't played. Like he, I know he played Alabama, but, Charlie, you and I were both there. There were, what, 15,000, what, 20,000 people in that stadium? Yeah, 25,000 people? fraction. Yeah, it, just, it wasn't loud. It wasn't loud like it's going to be at Jordan Harris. So that's just a very different thing from him. He's never been in that kind of – I mean, I know he played at Arkansas last year, but, again, it was a quarter full. So he's just never played in that kind of environment. So that's a different thing for him. That is something that I'm at least slightly concerned about heading into this game. All right. Well, he played at Florida last year. Yeah, but it's half and half. Well, but it's not. It's not. It's not a hostile road environment. Uh, but it's not like he's only played at home every game. No, no, he's he played at Kentucky. I mean, I was at that game last year. But I'm saying he hasn't played in a hostile road yeah. environment with a full yeah. crowd. Like that place is Charlie. Like we're number two in the country. That place is going to be popping. Yeah, I'm just trying to give him credit. No, he's played on the road. It's just not in that kind of environment. Yeah. All right, well, I don't know how we've made it this far without talking about the junkyard dog defense because, man, it's just – I would not want to be on the opposing team's offense. Like, no. I would just get out of the way. Like, they're running back – like Arkansas's running yep. back did. Yep. Just, nope. Oh, no, yeah. Thank yeah. You. It's like, oh, I'm out of here. Devontae Wyatt, right? Yeah, he saw Devontae no, Wyatt. Come. He's like, nope, not even going to try. Get yourself a sack, buddy. And have a good time, man. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. All right, so talk about burying the lead. Yet another shutout. These two shutouts against Vandy and now Arkansas are the first back-to-back shutouts for the Dogs since 2006 when we shut out UAB and South Carolina in consecutive weeks. That's and nice. And they were the first back-to-back conference shutout since, can you guess when? Well, Charlie, I know when. You know when. It's 1980. And you know what happened in 1980. Charlie, why would you put that bad juju on me? It's not. I'm just making Why would you put that out in the universe? It's yes, you're right. Since, since 1980, yes. All right. They held Arkansas to nine total first downs with 160 total yards, only 102 yards through three quarters, and the final 60 yards came on the last drive against basically all backups. I was very excited to not score. I was sitting, yes. I could, like I was like as excited as I was when that game kicked off. It's like, come on, guys, do well, not the, give up points. You know the starters probably got pissed the oh, other yeah. week when they gave up a oh, touchdown. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they take pride in that. Um, they held a team that came into the week as a top ten rushing offense to seventy five yards rushing on twenty nine attempts. So how were we able to completely shut down the Hogs? And their potent ground game, which was not too potent on Saturday. Not so potent on Saturday. Well, it's it's as simple as this, Charlie. Football can be a very complicated sport. It can also be a very simple sport at times. And when you just outman somebody, a team, and you outfiscal them, you just dominate them from that physical standpoint, it becomes a very simple game. And we just flat out physically dominated them up front. They could not block our defensive line one-on-one. They couldn't block, obviously, they couldn't block Jordan Davis one-on-one. Nobody can block Jordan Davis one-on-one. They couldn't block Devontae Wyatt one-on-one. He had a field day. Jalen Carter couldn't block him one-on-one. Trevon Walker couldn't block him one-on-one. Anybody that was on that defense line, Nolan Smith, they couldn't block them one-on-one. So my key to the game, if you listened to the preview show last week, was make KJ Jefferson a passer. We had to force Arkansas to play left-handed. That's defensive game plan one-on-one. You go into every defensive meeting when you start to form your game plan for the week, and you say, what do they do best? 
And then once you identify that, you say, how are we going to take that away? You want to make them play left-handed. So it's very clear. If you watch Arkansas play at all this year coming into this week, you knew they want to run the football. It's what their entire their entire offense is structured around running the football. And so once you identify that, okay, well, how do we take that away? And my answer on the previous episode is we have to stop the run with even numbers, which is what we've been doing all year. And we were obviously extraordinarily successful in doing so. And that was because we dominated them up front. Jordan Davis, Wyatt Carter, Nolan Smith, Trevon Walker, they ate that Arkansas offensive line alive. And I told you guys last week when we were doing the preview show, Arkansas has done a good job with the ground game, the top 10 in the country coming into to this week or last week. They were, I think, number eight overall in the country. But it wasn't based on kind of overpowering offensive line. Sam Pittman had not recruited those guys yet. doesn't have those guys in the system right now. It was really based on scheme. In fact, they have a quarterback that can run the football the way that he does, and they get the numbers advantage, and that most teams aren't able to overcome that numbers disadvantage. But their offensive line is not overpowering. And for us, we're so strong up front, the front seven or front six now, that we were able to overcome the numbers disadvantage that was presented by Arkansas's quarterback. It was presented by KJ Jefferson because we just were defeating blocks one-on-one. They had no answer for that. So it was really, again, football can be very, very simple sometimes. They had to force us to bring safeties in the box so they could take those vertical shots, get one-on-one matchups with their stud receiver, Traylon Burks. I know we held him, what, three catches, 16 yards, something like that. And so if you watch that game, it's the first time you ever seen him play. You're like, well, this guy's nothing. No, guys, Traylon Burks is legit. He's as good as there is in the league at receiver. But we simply did not give them opportunities to set up one-on-one shots to him like A&M did because we were able... We're just better up front than A&M is. It's that simple. Marvin Leal is a good player for A&M. They are not close to as dominant as we are in our front six. They're just not. So they had to roll safeties on the box because Arkansas was able to get their ground game going and they set up those one-on-one opportunities. And then, you know, you got an 80, what, 80, 46 yard touchdown catch for Traylon Burks and man, man coverage out there. We did not get those opportunities because we did not have to roll safeties in the box. It's, it's really that simple. And everything they do is build off the run game. If they can't run the football, Arkansas can't move the football. And that's what I told you guys coming of the week. They, that's what they do. They run the football. If we stop them from running the football, I think we had a question, Charlie, in our mailbag last week. Like, I think someone asked us, if we stop the run, can this be a blowout? And my answer was like, yeah, if we completely shut down the run. I wasn't sure we'd be able to shut down the run to the degree that we did because they did. They, in my opinion, I will still say they presented more of a challenge to us stopping the run because of the fact they had this mobile quarterback it's kind of a big, powerful, unique runner at 245 pounds, like some Cam Newton in him. Not obviously Cam Newton, but that type of running back or type of quarterback. But everything they do offensively is built around the run. And it was a great question. If we were able to shut down the run, then yeah, it was going to be a blowout. I just didn't know if we'd be able to shut down the run to the degree that we did. But ultimately, obviously, you guys saw exactly what I saw. And we were able to completely dominate them up front. And look, the guys... The team that's going to challenge us on defense is a team that can either A, run the ball well enough to pull us out of a two-deep shell, and I don't know if there's a team in America that can do that right now. Maybe, maybe. You can never say never, but I haven't seen that team yet. Or it's a team a team that features an offense that has a dynamic passing offense, a la 2019 LSU, that can just throw the ball all over the yard. Because I'm still not convinced we're elite in the secondary. I think we're really good in the secondary. I don't know if we're elite, but we are so dominant up front in the front six that it just hasn't really mattered to this point. But those those are the kind of teams that could challenge us. Someone that can run the ball well enough to force it out of that two deep shell and can hit some plays in man coverage. 
or a team that just has crazy playmakers out wide and a really good quarterback like LSU did back in 2019. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, Charlie, I don't know if you look too far ahead, who fits that bill? Who fits that bill in our schedule the rest of the way? Who can run the ball on us and force it out of that look? Maybe maybe Florida. Maybe Florida with Emory Jones. Maybe. Maybe. Kentucky. Kentucky? You think they're going to be able to run the football on us and force us out of a TV show? I mean, they're going to try. They're going to definitely try. They have a really good offensive line. They have a mobile quarterback. They have a good running back. I think they could challenge us, certainly. But I, I don't know. Right now, I would give the edge to our defense right now. Is there a, yeah. I mean, is there a team on the schedule that has an, a passing offense that's just going to light us up? No. Not right now. Not that I've seen. Not that I've seen. So... I don't know, Charlie. Alabama and SEC champion. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I really don't. I'm gonna live in the now. We cannot get complacent, as Kirby says. As fans, we can't get complacent. All right, guys, don't get complacent. Be elite. But you know, if you look at the schedule, you just kind of look around down the down the stretch here, and it's like, okay, all these teams that we're playing this week: Auburn, Kentucky, Florida. What do they all do best on offense? Well, they run the football. Well, Charlie, that's playing right into our strength defensively. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, obviously, anything can happen on any given Saturday. I truly do believe that. But right now, I just don't know who that team is on the schedule. All right. We'll see. Thank you for that breakdown. All right. Well, since I'm in charge of the show today, I want to give some love to a part of the game that you and Curtis don't talk about enough on the episodes, and that is special teams. Shots fired. Okay. So you're just calling us out here? Well, you know, typically we probably don't need to talk about it that much. But you're right. It is a it is a full third of the game. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, it's something we should talk about more. I I will I will give I'll grant you that. We it should was talk about a it little more. bit of a mixed bag on Saturday with a at least four penalties. The same penalty four yes. times. Yes, and a block punt for a touchdown. Which so is fantastic. Kudos, great. Dan Jackson. Did you see Dan Jackson <laughs> the, like looking for the ball? Like, yes. <laughs> where is yeah. it, man? Where is it? Yeah. I, I actually watched that replay about 20 different times because it was hilarious. He touched it. He just didn't know where he was, it went. He was just looking in the sky, yeah. man, like twirling around. It was awesome. He was very aware. He was prepared. He was. He was. He wasn't going to give up until he figured out where it was. Uh, what did you make of the special teams play on Saturday? Well, the penalty thing, uh, the illegal motion, is basically we didn't have enough guys in the line. Right, and too many guys in the backfield. And to me, what happened there, because it's hard to imagine, Charlie, that we've been doing it right all season long, and then we go into this game and we just can't get it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for in my mind, what probably happened here is that Arkansas, when they were watching the tape, they identified something that was up with our alignment on the punt team and saw that maybe we were aligning with too many guys in the backfield, whatever. And so they alerted the, the referees to that before the game and were probably like, hey, when Georgia punts the ball – their alignment's all messed up. It's a penalty. So watch for that. And so referees are watching for it, and, you know, they threw the penalty four different times. That's why we didn't fix this. We're like, well, what's going on? Like, what, what, what? Just line up like you normally do. And then and the players were, and then they get more penalties. So that's probably what happened there. That's not altogether uncommon. Coaches do that. You know, if, those, if they see something on, on tape, and they think that the team is getting away with, like, let's say a pick play, right? Like Dan Mullen before yeah. the pick plays, right? Well, you might say, hey, hey, ref, before the game, shake your hand. Thank you for doing this. Have a good game, but also watch out for this. Florida does this. Georgia does that. And teams do that. They, they kind of alert the referees to things that they've picked up on tape. And that's not altogether uncommon. That's probably what happened there. But that's a very, very easy fix. It's very annoying that happened four times the four same times game. Four times without it being fixed. Four, yeah, four times the same game. And Charlie, like when we're, when we're beating a team 37 nothing, it's no big deal. We can just like be annoyed by it. But when you're in a dogfight, I mean, I guess week one we were in a dogfight. That can cost you a game. 
Those kind of things can can really come back to hurt you. You can't have dumb, dumb penalties like that. And also, we had a block in the back. We were we should have had the ball, I want to say, on the Arkansas like 40-yard line in the first half, maybe the first quarter. And Justin Robinson, abs, and I saw it coming a mile away. I was sitting there watching. I was like, oh, my God, he's in him in the back. He's in him in the back. He's in him in the back, isn't he? And sure enough, he did. He didn't need to do it. He didn't need to do it. And did that hurt us in the grand scheme of things? No, because we were just that much better than Arkansas. But we will play even better teams down the stretch. And if we want to accomplish what we all want to accomplish this year, we're going to play better teams. And doing that kind of stupid thing against better teams will get you beat. It will flat out get you beat. And I know we're not being challenged right now, but at some point we will. And those kind of things will start to add up and those kind of things can cost you football games. So we just got to clean that kind of stuff up. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty good special teams performance outside of the penalties there. Dan Jackson, the block punt. I mean, it's hard to call it a bad special teams performance when you have a block punt for a touchdown. I mean, that, that's pretty big there. I want to give Dan Jackson some credit, man. Dan Jackson really tying that up perfectly. He wasn't showing pressure. He was lined up in his spot where he's kind of just a spy there to make sure they're not... Well, he starts out as a spy. to make sure that they're not going to do a fake punt and he goes back and blocks, right? But they, you guys saw the kind of weird formation. They had the punters kind of like offset from the center. And so they kind of had, again, natural gaps there. And so he timed it up perfectly right as the ball was snapped and just shot in there between that gap and blocked the punt. They couldn't get to him in time, couldn't react to him in time. Of course, Zeus recovered. He had three touchdowns in the day. But that was Dan Jackson. Man, great play by Dan Jackson. you got to give Will Muschamp some credit for identifying that and setting that play up. It doesn't happen by accident. So that was awesome. I also want to throw a shout out here to Pod. We know he was struggling a little bit to start the season, and that was slightly concerning, but we knew that this guy's a great kicker. We saw it last year, game winner, obviously, 50-plus yard against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, so we know what this guy is capable of, but that's something that can get into a kicker's, a kicker's head if it goes on and lingers too long, so it's really nice to see him have some success out there. What, he kicked three field goals, Charlie? Yes. Three field goals, and sure, a couple of them were, were chip shots. They got a 37-yarder, and I think there was a 30-yarder there. But also had a nice 46-yarder, put us up 24 nothing. So it was nice to kind of just see him have some confidence there and uh, be able to kind of get back on the right track. And he's been doing a better job lately, so that was nice to see, though, because you just don't want to let that kind of thing linger. But all around, you get three field goals. You look at our punt coverage has been great. Our Although we didn't have to punt too much, our kick coverage has been fantastic. Obviously blocking the punt for a touchdown. Well, it was it was big time. So all around, thought it was a really good performance by the special teams. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay. Well, I know that you're not feeling too well today, so I'm going to be nice and make this next segment. Our last segment of the day. Oh, thanks, Charlie. I'm calling this the bonus round, and this is going to be where we cover some of the other players and performances from the game that maybe weren't headliners. Okay. So it's going cool. to be rapid fire. Okay. I'm going to give you a name, and you've got 30 seconds. And oh, so this is your way to less. make me much more brief in my analysis. No, I thought it would be fun. You don't like my long-winded analysis. No, so you okay, have 30 fun. seconds okay. to share your thoughts before we are moving on to the next player. So I'm going to get my timer. Do ready. I have to use all 30 seconds? No. So I can just say like two words if I want. 
Sure. So whatever I want. You but, really don't feel well. But today. max of the, no, no. I mean, I don't feel well. I don't economy feel well. Economy of language. I'm, I, I'm using two words to explain. Economy of language. Blair. I like that. Uh, economy of language. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't feel super well. But you know what? We're here. We're making it happen. All right. Ready. Let's do it. First one is Darnell Washington. Beast. Absolute monster. So obviously he wasn't involved in the passing game. He was only through the ball 11 times in this game. But it was really nice, number one, just to see him out there. And Charlie, did you see him just deplete multiple linebackers? Yeah. Just mauling people. And that's him coming in was a big part of why our run game was more successful as well. I mean, he went out there a ton, but when he's out there, we're just a better run team because he just moves people. Talk about getting movement. Darnell Washington creates movement. And we're going to see him in the passing game here and he's going to make big plays. Perfect timing. Oh, is that right at 30? Yes. Oh, man. I okay. wasn't going to make the listeners listen to my phone go off. Okay. Um, all right. Next up, Devontae Wyatt. So underrated. We all talk about Jalen Carter. Well, obviously, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter. I've been waxing poetic about both those guys all year. I think Jalen Carter might be the best player on our entire football team. But Devontae Wyatt is, I don't, I don't, maybe Unsung Hero is a little too strong, but he is such an outstanding player for us on that front that just does not get enough credit. He is very, very athletic. I know we put up some big time numbers um, in terms of like his measurables during the offseason, but this guy does great things for us playing the run, rushing the passer. Time. And we saw that sack. So Devontae White <laughs> doing big things. So done. All right, next up, Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean. Oh my God. Nicobe Dean, is he the best linebacker in the country? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but this guy is just playing another level this year. Now we're doing a great job scheming things up and giving him opportunities to be aggressive, play downhill. But he's now second on the team in sacks. He chases guys all over the field. He's the leader out there. He knows what to do. He's instinctive. He plays the run well, even when it's right at him, though he's a little undersized. So he just continues to do big-time things for us. And he's as good a linebacker as there is. We'll at least say that. All right. Come on. Doing well. All right. Is that under 30? Yeah, it was. Barely. All right. Next one, Dan Jackson. Love the guy. I hope you guys had a chance and had a chance to listen to Kirby Smart's post-game press conference. Towards the end there, someone asked him a question about Dan Jackson. And he just uh, was gushing. Kirby Smart doesn't gush all that often, Charlie. He was gushing about Dan Jackson and how much he, how much respect he has to this player and, and this guy and what he means to him. And uh, I, I had kind of echoes. I don't know him, obviously, like Kirby does. He's not even close. don't know the guy at all. But you kind of root for guys like this who come in unsung, walk-ons, by all means, shouldn't be playing at all. But you know what? He's an athlete. He works hard took advantage of an opportunity, and he's not only out there on the field, but making plays for us and doing big things for this team. So I'm really excited. He's one of those guys that just, you really are excited to have a guy like that on your team. All right. You went a little over on that I'm one. I'm sorry. All right. Next one, James Cook. Oh, Charlie, did you know James Cook can't run between the tackles? I mean. How many times you heard that like in your he life? fixed that last week. Yeah. How many times? Yesterday. Yesterday, was, yesterday is when that happened, Charlie. I know, I know. I mean, how many times you heard that? And I know he's gotten a little bigger and bulked up a little bit, but this guy is running hard. We also we all know what he can do out in space, but he's also making plays between the tackles, running hard, being physical. I mean, he led the team in rushing yesterday, so got to give a shout-out to him. It's really good for him that he came back. It's good for us. I think it's also going to help him in his draft stock. All right. Next up. Kenny McIntosh. Oh, another running back here. I love me some Kenny Mack. I know you love Kendall Milton. I love Kendall Milton. I think Kendall Milton long-term might be the best running back on the roster. I like Kenny McIntosh, too. Kenny Mack is so he is so versatile. Like He's kind of like a cross. Like, he's not as big and strong as Zeus, obviously. But he's kind of a cross between him and Cook in a way because he's very viable on the back that we saw. The longest pass of the day was in the first quarter to uh, to Kenny Mack. I think that second drive was up 14-0. So he's very valuable as a receiver. All, he's just so elusive in space. He's got a little twitch to him. Uh, runs hard, got some physicality. I think Kenny McIntosh is, I mean, he's an SEC starter. I mean, so, so many teams in this league he's going to start for. Love him. Okay. All right. After Kenny McIntosh, let's go with Justin Robinson. 
Okay, Justin Robinson, guys, I'm very high on his long-term potential. He's got the physical traits, 6'4", about 220, 225, big guy. Can be a really good receiver for us. Going to be a good receiver for us. And he's going through some growing pains right now, but he's got a couple drops past couple games. He's not, he should be a really good blocker on the perimeter because he's big and physical and strong, but he hasn't been great out there. He's got to continue to grow there. Um, made a, a special teams mistake with the block in the back, but he's going to be good for us. I'm glad he's getting a chance to kind of grow through these and, and improve right now, but he will be good for us. He's just not quite there yet. Okay. We have two more. Next one is Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones. Okay, so he got out there, you know, in the first half, left tackle, moved Salyer into right guard, which is kind of what we've been asking to see more of. Uh, I told you guys coming in the week that I didn't think it was the game to kind of throw him out there as a starter at left tackle, and I stand by that, but we had a lead, so it was nice to be able to get him out there. And I thought he did some really good things. I One thing that he struggled with throughout the season at this point, he's played well when he's got a chance, but he's got to work on just sticking with his blocks a little longer. I thought he did a better job there on Saturday. So I think we, I think we want to... I think our coaches want to pull the trigger and have him start left tackle, but they're just not quite ready yet. But the more game reps he gets, the more opportunities he's going to have to earn the coach's trust. And I think there's certainly a chance by the end of the year we might see him be our starting left tackle. Wouldn't shock me. All right, and the last one is Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart. What, what can you say about this guy? I mean, everyone, like, he's just a popular punching bag, you know? You have all the national media. So, well, Kirby's just a great recruiter. He, he doesn't know how to coach. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people in the national media listening to different podcasts and radio shows out there. They're just waiting for Kirby to have that Kirby game where we just lose to an inferior opponent. And those things have happened in the past. But he's just a popular punching bag with that kind of stuff, quarterback situation, all that. But all this guy does is have us in contention for playoff bursts. Now, we've only made the playoffs once, but we've had three straight SEC titles, three straight SEC title game appearances before last year, obviously with the COVID year and some issues with quarterback. But this guy is an elite coach. He is not the best coach in country. Nick Saban's still out there, but Kirby Smart, I think we need to stop and appreciate him more than we do. I'm not saying that you can't criticize the guy. He does some things at times that I think certainly warrant criticism, but I think he does far more good things then he does things that warrant criticism. And I think we just need to appreciate the man a little bit more and what he's built. It's like, hey, this defense, guys, it doesn't happen by accident. Kirby Smart is the architect of this defense, okay? These players are great. They're out there doing their thing. But this program, this team was built by Kirby Smart. So let's just appreciate the guy a little bit more. Okay. And I have one more question for you, so I lied. Last question. Is Georgia the best team in the country? I feel like you're just setting me up here. I feel like you're just trying to get me to put some bad juju out there in the universe. No, it's a question. Normally, I in the past, Charlie, I would hate to answer this question affirmatively because I'm a very superstitious person when it comes to Georgia football, and I just I like like I feel like saying those things out loud just puts that bad juju in the universe, and it's gonna like somehow screw us over. But you know what? I'm trying to get over that. Right? I, I'm conditioned by the years of you know. Uh, growing up, it was Ray Goff and Jim Don and then Mark Rick. And Rick was so great for us, but you just don't say these things out loud. But you know what, guys? Kirby's right. You got to be elite, right? And part of being elite is having that confidence. Not cockiness, but confidence and understand that you are very, very good. And you know what, Charlie, right now, I'm going to say it. I think it's pretty clear that Georgia is undoubtedly the best team in the country. The idea that Alabama is still ranked number one, I think this week we got bumped up to nine first place votes. But the idea that Alabama is still ranked number one this season, based off of this year's performance, it's just it's just crazy. Look, Alabama is really good. Maybe it's not crazy. It's Alabama is really, really good. It's not crazy to say Alabama is the best team. If someone has that opinion, I disagree with you, but it's not insane. But I just, again, I said this last week, I firmly believe if you're basing 
the rankings off of this year and the performances of these teams in 2021, Georgia has clearly been the most impressive team. Alabama might have a better win over Florida, but is that a better win now? They just lost to Kentucky, but I think Kentucky's pretty good. I've told you guys that going back to the preseason. But yeah, maybe you can say Florida has the better win and Ole Miss at home is a nice win. I just feel like we dominated Arkansas more so than Alabama dominated Ole Miss. I, I, I just feel that way. And I just, if you, I think if you look at each performance, we've just been consistently a little bit better and more dominant than Alabama has been. And neither team is perfect. We do have some areas where we continue to need to improve. Absolutely. I just think Alabama has more holes and more vulnerabilities than we have. I think they're better at quarterback right now. I would take Bryce Young over Stetson Bennett. We'll see when JT gets back. But right now, they're probably better at quarterback. Now, probably they are better at quarterback. But we're better defensively. I really don't think it's all that close. I think we have a better run game. I just think we have more weapons on offense overall. So I think, yeah, we are the better team. I think we are the best team in the country. And maybe for the first time in my life, Charlie, I feel okay saying that. Like I, I, I've thought that in the past in certain years, but I've kind of kept it to myself without saying it out loud because, again, I just don't want to like screw over our team. But this is a different team. This is a different version of Tyler. So I'm going to say, yes, we are the best team in the country. All right. And I res- I that could change, but right. I think we're the best team in the country right now. That's well, it? If we lose on Saturday, it's because you said that. God, Charlie, I know. Now I now, now I instantly regret saying that. So thank you. for I, Again, you set me up. You All set of me Dog up. Nation will blame you. No, don't blame me, guys. Blame Charlie because she's the one that asked the question. She set me up. It's her fault. I just answered the question. That's all I did. Okay. Just well, answer the question. We all hope you feel better. And thank you. And we will be back later this week. Well, Tyler and Curtis will be back. Yeah, so Curtis, uh, we're flipping things around this week. Curtis will be back with me on Tuesday for our mailbag episode. Does it feel weird to not be on the mailbag episode? Be on this? I mean, not really. I'll give you a round of applause, Charlie, uh, for your first appearance on our recap episode. I thought well, you, uh, you handled yourself very well. Thanks. Round of applause. Round of applause. So thank you for being here, Charlie. Thank you for kind of switching your schedule around a little bit to join us today. And thank all of you for listening to us here on the Glory UGA podcast. We absolutely appreciate all the support. We will have a ton of coverage of the Auburn game this week for you guys. So make sure to check back in. We'll have an episode for you Thursday with the mailbag. I'll have the preview episode up on Wednesday. And then Charlie will be back with me on Thursday for our picks of the week. But have a great week, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always... Go dog!